welcome to One Life. Welcome to your local community church where you can come and hear preached Christ crucified. Amen. Amen. Our Good Friday service was phenomenal. I don't know what you were doing or where you were eating on Friday night, but if you're like me, because Friday nights we like to go and grab some dinner with the family and all that, but we were here, we were just remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made, and before I go into my message, this Easter sermon, I want you really just to reflect what is actually being celebrated this Resurrection Sunday. For there to be resurrection, there had to be death. And why did he die? Easter is tough because there's so much pressure, right? Some people refer to it as the Super Bowl of Christians. But when you come to know the cross and you come to realize who Christ Jesus is, you ask yourself a lot of questions. And it's not doubting or condemning other people. It's you look at days like Easter and you're like, why is it such a special day? This is what we preach week after week. This is what we believe day after day. Why today does the church get full? Why isn't this what we're seeing week after week after week? Are we not convinced that he died and rose again on the 10th and on the 8th and on the 9th and tomorrow and a week from now? I may never get to see you again, but I want you to take away some truths today that will only benefit you because there is a battle for your soul, even at this very moment. If you came to satisfy some religious checklist, you're wasting your time. If you came just because your wife said, if you came, then you wouldn't have to go to her mom's house later, you came to waste your time. I want you to leave today with the truth of the gospel. He has a name. His name is Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you some questions today to reflect about your own life. But I want you more than anything to understand that you do not come into this house thinking that you are in right standing with God just because you are present. That is only determined by our own personal relationship with him and making sure that he knows who we are and that we know who he is. Because churches today are filled with people who have no idea who Jesus is. And they may leave the church having no idea who he is, thinking that they can kind of like make a deposit and that we'll see them again on Christmas. Can we not be Christian and Easter only? They're referred to as CEOs. Christian and Easter only Christians, can, can we strive to be that? And you know how we get there? Because I know that week after week, it's like, you want me to go to church again this week? I went last week. That's crazy. When we understand that the church part doesn't do anything to save your soul because the saving was done on the cross. When he hung on that cross for my sins and your sins, let's remember what that last slide said when my mother was singing. It says, let us not mistake in thinking that it was the Jews who killed Christ. It was you. It was me. Can we let that hit us for a second? It's easier to blame other people, right, for the things that happen in our lives. But sometimes it's us. To look at Jesus and say, the Romans, clearly it was Pontius Pilate. 
And clearly it was the Jews because they said, I wasn't even there. How are you going to blame it on me? Because this was written from way before Jesus was even in the flesh on earth. This was written way before you came to be, and your parents, and your grandparents, and your great-grandparents. It was written that a sacrifice would have to be made because of the sins of humanity, just so that we would have a chance to be with God. And for those of us who live for the day, please understand that our lives are short. You might be celebrating the resurrection today, and tonight you may not be here. If that were to happen, where would you go? This is not a game. This is real. This is a fight for your life. And just so that you know, this is exactly how I preach every other week. This is not an Easter message. This is a message of the gospel. Because I have a desperation for you, and I may not even know you. This may be the first time you ever see me. And you might think to yourself, but why would you care so much where I go? Well, he taught me that it was possible to care for someone whose name hadn't even been written yet. So if you're sitting next to somebody who is starting to, like, feel crushed and you see some tears dripping down their face, I'll tell you why. It's because they've come to the realization that everything that Jesus Christ has done for us and the reason for why we celebrate today is because we don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. And yet, he did it for us. Sometimes we like to look at our neighbors and, and think, you know what? Well, you know, at least I'm not like that person, right? I mean, I, I know I'm not the best, but at least I'm not that person. But think about this. If you really were honest with yourself for a moment, if you were honest with yourself for a moment, you might realize you probably... Let me switch mics, I'm sorry. If you were honest with yourself for a moment you might realize that you're probably one of the worst people you know. I know some of you are offended though, right? And this is the issue. That a lot of us think that we're good because we haven't understood God's goodness yet. So we think that because we help that old lady across the street, that because we feed our children from time to time, and it's not always McDonald's, right? Or like my, ki my kids have the most expansive diet of eating chicken nuggets and french fries at every restaurant we go to. But there's nothing that we can do to ever reach the level of good that God is. And that's why resurrection and death had to happen that's why death had to happen resurrection happened because he could not ever be defeated by death but the job right jesus was born to die the things that he did were out of compassion because he cared for us but the reason why he was born was to die because there was a debt that had to be paid and so when we read in the book of Luke, chapter 8, in the Gospels, we see that there are a number of people who 
are looking for Jesus, who see him and hear about the works that he's doing through all the cities. And they hear about this guy named Jesus Christ who is going and healing people of all their infirmities. If you can drop this mic a little bit, guys, I'm sorry. In Luke chapter 8, verse, verses 4 through 8, let me read this to you. And as a preface to that, we're talking about the people who heard about the good things that Jesus did. And he was becoming a superstar really fast. So when they heard that he was coming somewhere near to them, they had to get tickets. And they wanted to go and hear what this Savior, supposed Savior and King of the Jews, had to say. And it says in Luke chapter 8, verse 4, the first line, it says, And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town to town after, uh, from town after town came to him, he said in a parable. Verse 5, a sower went out to, to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has an ear, uh, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he got up and left. I stand up here week after week preaching. Could you imagine if I stood up here and said that? So there's all this hype for Jesus to come into town so that we could hear this sermon. He stands up and says, There's a guy who has seeds. He drops it on the path. He drops it among the rocks. He drops it among the thorns, and he drops it around good soil. Good night. But look at where he ends. He says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. It's because he knew something. He knew that many of us would show up on days like today, already having made the decision to never receive him. That we would sit in the presence of God himself. Because if you are from this church, you know that God is reviving and giving life in this house. That we might walk into the presence of God already having made the decision, I'm not going to change a thing about myself. Because I don't believe in his power. But I grew up going to church on Easter and Christmas, so I'm going to be there. I do it for my mom and my grandma. God rest her soul. Jesus knew this 2,000 years ago. And this is the thing about Easter because a lot of us pastors and preachers, we feel a great tension to say these things today that will just rock the house where we see everybody stand up and say, yes, I am in. I want to join the team. But the truth is this. It's not my job to convince you. It's not my job to stand up here and sell you something. I give you testimony of my life, and I give you the truth of the gospel. But the truth is many of us have made a decision today that it doesn't matter what Isaac says. I could pull a bouquet of flowers out of my jacket, and you still wouldn't believe. This is how Jesus responded to the crowds being hungry for the hype, but had no interest for the Christ. First question, who are you in the crowd? We have to, each of us, realize the 
desperate need that you and I have for Jesus Christ. And if you don't, if you're the type of person like, you know what, I don't need anybody. I don't need anyone. I do what I do. I work. I make my own money. I don't, get, I don't need God to give me anything. Then there's work to be done. Your pride is elevated. Because the truth is, you don't cause your own heart to beat. And you don't cause your own lungs to work. And you never spoke yourself into life. And here is a God who before history began and before the earth was created knew you by name. And not only did he know you by name, but he knew the knucklehead you would be. Nobody got offended, right? I'll tell you, the worst knucklehead you know. You just pretend. We just pretend. Especially at the church, I got to put on my suit. Doesn't matter what I did yesterday. Doesn't matter what I'm going to do immediately after church or tomorrow. But perhaps that's because we have no idea who he is. So all I want to do today is to just introduce you to Christ. Where we can sit in this house and I can share with you an awesome Easter message where you might leave here saying, yes, Lord. I just want you to know that there is a Christ. And what we celebrate today is not how awesome you are, how awesome he is. This buildup of the people was so grand, and the message seemed so lacking, right? So the disciples asked him, Lord, why do you speak in this allegory? Why do you share such a cryptic message, right? Because if I were to stand up here and say what Jesus said, you would be like, what in the world? This is the worst preacher ever. But he explains it a few verses later. In Luke chapter 8, verse 10 to 15, he says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables so, so that seeing they may not see. So that seeing they still won't see. So a lot of us may have been taught that he spoke in parables for relatability. And what are we learning here? The reason he spoke in parables was because for many it didn't matter. Because they had made a decision in their heart. For many of us today, perhaps, or some of us today, we made a decision before we came to church. Nothing about today is going to change my life. But here is the truth. If you make a decision today, this morning, to have your life changed, not by yourself, but by God Almighty, you can never go back to how you were. And only you know the things that you're broken by. And only you know the things that you're struggling with. But there is a response to the work that he did. And that's the charge that we each have, our own response to the work that Jesus did on the cross. Verse 11 says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the evil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that, may, so that they may not believe and be saved. That's the first, the path. 13 says, and the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares, listen, and the riches and the pleasures of life. That's most of us. 
Because a lot of us fall into the moment of like, yes, I know, yeah, yeah, I do need more. I do need God. But we refuse to lay our own lives down for the pleasures and the riches that we so enjoy. Because all of us have heard of the preachers that stand up and preach prosperity into our lives. You know, if you give a $1,000 seed right now, God is going to multiply that 1000 That's garbage. Money in my pocket is garbage if I don't have Christ. I grew up not having much resource. I had everything I needed. I had loving parents, a mother and a father in my home. But there were many things that as a child, and you maybe also, a lot of things that we lacked and we needed. But one thing my parents instilled in us, and I instill in you today, is you could have nothing and still be full of joy. You could be eating hope sandwiches and still be full of joy. You could be missing one of your parents or both of your parents, but you can make a decision for joy. My life is falling apart, but I have joy. One of my favorite lines, that joy is what? It's a decision. It's not an emotion. There were a thousand reasons for why you shouldn't be in this house today, right? You woke up this morning and everything went against you, it seems. The kids were going crazy, so-and-so that you invited to church. You, you invited somebody to church today, and they're not sitting in their seat today. Amen? And that kind of gets you down. But listen, Jesus died for everyone, but not everyone will respond. And this is our freedom. And I'm a pastor. It's not my job to change your heart. It's my job to stand up here, give you the truth. Your response is up to you. And when you say no to Jesus, I did my job. The door's right there. Somebody asked me the other day, but don't, you know, don't you go chasing after them? Listen, I would love to. But there are many others who are waiting for that word, who are waiting for that seed. I ask you a question today. How do you receive the seed? The beaten path, the rocky soil, the soil among the thorns, and the good soil. There's four different types. What type are you? So I'm sitting up here with a, handful of seeds and i'm throwing the seed at you what type of seed are, what type of soil are you will you be like the beaten path that is so hardened and trampled whose heart has been made stone already who will willingly surrender yourself to the enemy at the first opportunity right because a lot of us say we want we want this change but the minute temptation comes by you're like ooh <laughs> That's right. I remember how that felt. Will we be like the rocky soil who receives the seed, but never is rooted in his word? So what happens? The minute that the sun comes out, you're scorched. The minute that life gets difficult, you say, oh, you know what? This isn't for me. Will you be like the soil surrounded by weeds where you have growth, but you're so overwhelmed and you are so covered by everything else and every other care in your life that is an, it's impossible for you to experience growth because you have allowed kingship in your heart by things that aren't Christ it can be your family it can be your kids it can be your job it can be your being tired but you know what 
I don't know. Sundays aren't good for me because, you know, it's my only day to sleep, you know, the kids and the sports and the... No, we got to make decisions, friends. And don't misunderstand me for those of you who don't know me. Church doesn't save you. But church is a response to a relationship with Christ. Because when you have your own personal relationship with the Lord, you're like, wait, wait, there's, there's got to be more to this. And you're telling me there's other people who feel the way I feel? Yes, because where two or three are gathered, the spirit of the Lord is there. So when we sit in assemblies like this, the Holy Spirit can work in all of us collectively, just as he can do it individually. This isn't saving you. Some of us feel like right now Jesus is taking attendance at all churches. Yeah. But you know what? She made it to church last year. She couldn't make it this year, but she went last year. I remember, Lord. I remember. You're good. She's good. There's people who could never make it into the building. We talked recently about persecution. There's people around the world that can't gather in churches today. But Easter and resurrection is still in their hearts. And here we are with all the freedoms of the world and of the first world to be able to gather. And all we have to offer him is our presence on one day of the year. And I don't mean to hurt your heart, friends. I mean to encourage you into a relationship with Christ. How are you receiving the soil? If you're good soil, you have heard the word, you receive the word, you ingest the word, you allow the word to produce fruit in your life. You don't need much convincing because you know that all that Jesus has to give you is all that you will ever need. And you don't need seminary. You don't need to go to Bible college for that. Because some of you had the experience where you were so low in your life, the minute somebody spoke the word Jesus, you said, yes, yes, yes. I don't know anything about you, Lord, but yes. In the last couple of weeks, we've been baptizing. And in both occasions that we've baptized in the last month, we had people make immediate decisions to go into the water in baptism. If what I'm sharing with you today is not going to convince you that you need to be saved, we're still free of that. We did our job. The response is individual. You also can't even make the decision for your children. You can't make it for your friends. You can't make it for the people who you invited to the house today. Everybody has to make their own decision. Some of you are with your loved ones, and your loved ones have no idea why they're here today. Well, loved one, I tell you this. You are here for a reason. And today you are now able to receive the full justice of God because somewhere, someday, Pastor Isaac spoke the seed into your life. The response is now yours. Amen. There's a battle for your soul. And where I can tell you that God is going to bring you all these shiny things, I'll tell you this. When you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, you invite struggle and suffering. John chapter, 10, uh, John chapter 15 verse 18 says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. So I don't want to lie to you and tell you that the minute you say yes to Jesus, you're going to experience an overflow of everything and you're never going to lack and he's going to heal all your infirmities. No, he may not. If anything, now you're in active warfare for your life. Because the enemy 
Satan, hell, knows that your soul is worth fighting for now. It's worth fighting for for him because he needs to get recruits. Remember, because he did it in heaven. He did it in heaven, and within heaven he was able to convince people to turn sour and be thrown into the depths of darkness with him. And you think he's not going to do it with us? You say yes to Jesus. You say yes to struggle. But this is the difference. Up until today, if you, have your, if you haven't received Christ into your heart, you have been struggling through life by yourself. You have been sitting down, struggling and hurting with no hope and no help. When you say yes to Christ, yes, you invite suffering, but you will never be alone again. And I end with this reflection. When we think about if we ever want to consider that what Jesus did wasn't important. Well, he was God, right? So he could have taken himself off the cross. Consider this. When you go to the book of Mark, chapter 14, verse 36, it says, And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. And three times... Three times he asks God, if there is any way you can spare my life from going through this hurt, please consider it. For those of us who think that Jesus was able to hang on the cross because of his supernatural power, yes, he had supernatural power. But when it came to his suffering, he had to be fully in the flesh. He needed to feel all of the pain and all of the suffering just so that you wouldn't have to one day. So talk about those of us who think that people don't love us. We don't need people to love us. We just needed one man to love us. Where he said that I need to suffer every little bit of suffering because he was worth it and she was worth it and we're worth it. Three times he goes to the Father. Lord, if there is any way, verse 36 says, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. And this is the key. Yet not my will, but yours be done. We like to ask God, Abba, Father, for things. But we don't often end the way Jesus ends it. Lord, save my life. Lord, heal my cancer. Lord, remove my addiction. Lord, remove my pain and brokenness. But it's not my will, Lord. Yours be done. That's kingship. Even Jesus knew that in his moment of pain, and just in case you don't understand the pain through what I just read, go to the book of John and realize that it says that he was in so much agony that his tears became blood. Have you ever been in so much pain that blood seeped out of your pores? So for any of us, if we're ever tempted to say that Jesus didn't really struggle because he was better than us and he was stronger than us, you know what? I'll give you that. But the Bible tells us that he went through suffering for me and for you. My question to you today, with everything I've just said to you, I'm not a storyteller and I'm not an actor. I'm not standing up here painting you a picture of something that is not real. This is real. How will you respond today? Easter is an opportunity for us to evangelize hearts 
And maybe there are some of us here who have been in the church our whole lives. And this is the first time you're feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And guess what? That's okay. That's okay. I grew up in the church, but it wasn't until I was an adult when I realized, oh my God, I don't know you. I didn't know you until this moment. And it was when he saved me and pulled me where I deserved to be locked up and set away and killed and murdered perhaps that he saved my life. And he did it for you too because that's what we deserve. We deserve death. This morning, I preached a different sermon and I ended with the, the vision of Jesus hanging with a cross to his right and a cross to his left. On his right, he had a man who was mocking Jesus as he was hanging on the cross. But there was another man who said, we deserve this because we're murderers and thieves. But he doesn't deserve this. He's a son of God and he's done nothing wrong. Are you the thief who mocks God by denying his power? Or are you the thief, the good thief, which seems like an oxymoron, who says, I deserve death. I deserve what you're getting, Lord. But when you go to your kingdom, will you remember me? Wow. We are no better than the murderous thief on the cross. We are no better than these men hanging. But you see how the responses were different. Are you going to mock God by denying him? Or are you going to receive him so that his reply to you might be the same as that thief where he says that today you will be with me in paradise? And Jesus' reply can be the same to you today, friends.